You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome to the program. Already in progress. It's hour two on this Friday. A meat Friday at that in case you're wondering what's on the Traeger's Barbecue Minnesota Juicy Lucy Grilled Peanut Butter Burger and Grilled Brisket Burger. I guess they're all under the umbrella of a Juicy Lucy Peanut Butter Burger. So is that two thin patties and then whatever you want to put in the middle, Paulie? Well, I'm hearing that... uh... Tyler, the moderator, found some peanut butter burgers on different menus, mm. and it's kind of like a treat. You know, it's a, like a sweet and salty mix. Yeah. So I think it's going to be slathered with peanut butter, oh. not inside the burger. Okay. But yeah. We'll stay on the story. Yes, Todd. Will you consider putting jelly or jam on your peanut butter burger? I will not. You will, will not you? do that. Will you? I think I will. Okay. Once again, who has it better than we do? Nobody. Nobody. All right, phone calls are welcome, so are emails, so are tweets, all the above. Peter Schrager from the NFL Network will stop by. Tony Dungy will join us in the final hour of the program. Jags have a head coach, the former Eagles coach, Doug Peterson. The Broncos, John Elway, and the New York Giants deny Brian Flores claims. And uh, right now, the Dolphins, Saints, Texans, Vikings are coachless. Looks like the Vikings do have their man in Kevin O'Connell. Jim Harbaugh told uh, the Detroit Free Press it was a one-time only thing. He is now committed to winning a national championship with the Michigan Wolverines. Yes, Marvin. All right, so if Jim Harbaugh has even a better season than he did this past season Mm. and more teams start coming his way, Mm. say if they win a playoff Mm. game, beat Ohio State again, Mm. and he's hotter than fish grease, Mm. what happens? No, he said this is a one-time only flirting, and that is it. He said he wasn't chasing any jobs. Mm, but he could still be chased. Yes, Pauline. I didn't see, hear Peter King say hotter than fish grease when he talked about no, he Jim did Harbaugh. No, he did not. Marvin's got that. Adam Schefter just tweeted the Niners offensive coordinator, Mike McDaniel, arrived in South Florida last night. He is going to interview for the Dolphins head coaching job. Cowboys offensive coordinator Kellen Moore scheduled for his head coaching interview with the Dolphins. That will be on Saturday. It's been a wild few days here. Let's go back to Saturday when the news leaked out. 2.30 Eastern time. Tom Brady is going to retire. Jeff Darlington, Adam Schefter tweeted it out. And we're like, ooh, okay. A little surprise there. And then you had the great games. You had the Bengals with the win over the Kansas City Chiefs. The Rams had the win. You still had Brady's camp denying that he was going to retire. Then goes on Jim Gray's podcast that he shares with Larry Fitzgerald. Doesn't say anything about retiring. And then Tuesday, he rolls out a big thank you to Tampa Bay, and he is retiring. He doesn't mention the Patriots. And, of course, my goodness, at the end of the world for those poor, suffering, long-suffering Patriots fans. Then you have Brian Flores out of nowhere. Wait, what did he say? Who's he suing? The Dolphins did what? The owner asked him to do what? John Elway, he's involved in this. The New York Giants. Bill Belichick is in this. Flores makes the uh, morning rounds doing shows talking about it. And all of a sudden, you're going, okay. Jim Harbaugh, National Signing Day. He's with the Vikings. Comes back. I'm back. Now, there were reports he was taking the job, and he acknowledged that. If offered the job, he was going to take it. All of that's happened in the last six days? Crazy. 
And then you had uh, Hugh Jackson. He got in on it. Former Cleveland Browns head coach. Hey, you know, they kind of paid me to lose in Cleveland. Well, you did a great job in losing in Cleveland. And then the owner comes out. The owner comes out and says, hey, no, look, Hugh has never taken blame for us losing all of those games. Me as the owner, Jimmy Haslam, I do. He does it. But Hugh Jackson got in and wanted to say, hey, I was told the same thing. Keep losing in Cleveland. Well, you did a great job. Wonderful job there. By the way, Super Week on the Dan Patrick Show. Brought to you by Link Soul Apparel, a lifestyle brand for any occasion. I mean, all of that in the last six days. And now you have Super Bowl week coming up, and there's always a story or so, because everybody's out there in the same place. Everybody's trying to get stories. Are you going to have any coaching hires during Super Bowl week? With these you know, openings here, Byron Leftwich doesn't get the Jacksonville job. I don't know if he turned down the job. I know he wanted a different GM in place instead of Trent Balke, and maybe that's what... Um, Forced the Jags to move on to Doug Peterson. And look, Doug Peterson deserved another chance. He won a Super Bowl. He was a quality coach in Philadelphia. I mean, it's four years ago today. They beat Tom Brady and the Patriots. But he finally got an opportunity there. He's going to be the head coach. I don't know if Byron Leftwich gets the New Orleans Saints job or he's the coach in waiting with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But all of that has happened. And, you know... By now, everybody knows what happened with Brian Flores suing the NFL. But to start the week, many people thought that that would affect his future in the league. Yesterday, it was reported he's a finalist for the Texans job. Texas has had their fair share of bad publicity recently. I saw where the other leading candidate is the former quarterback, Josh McCown. I don't know what experience he's had, except for he's been a quarterback for about 20 years, a backup quarterback in the NFL. Maybe he's coached high school, but I saw where Josh McCown, who has no prior coaching experience, I don't think, and he's maybe the other leading candidate there with the Texans. But if the Texans believe in Brian Flores uh, and that he's shown great character throughout all of this, um, I mean, maybe he is your guy. Yeah, Paulie. Josh McCown, he played for 10 NFL teams. He's got a little bit of information on one-third of the league. You know, he's got just a little <laughs> background. You know, I remember what their offense did when I played for them. Yeah. Ten, does, ten teams. Does he have any coaching experience? Not, not even, even, I think at the high school level, he's been like a, a consultant. I, but you know, we, you know, we brought this up about two months ago. We were discussing why doesn't the NFL ever pull like a Rob Aventura gets the White Sox job or... Steve Kerr hadn't coached a game of basketball in his life, and he's the Warriors head coach. He was a GM, but not coach. Yeah. Football is the only sport, I think, where, you know, Deion Sanders' first job was a small college, but. Well, he did high school. Yeah. Oh, he did. Yeah. Yeah. And then he, then he went to, to college. But the NFL, like Joe Montana, can't get the uh, 49ers job. He would have to work his way up. Larry Bird got a job coaching. Yeah, I think it's different in, in the complexities of those jobs. Being a head coach in the NFL, you got to have your press conference. You know, the, the NBA coaches, they'll be at the, you know, after a game or before a shoot around or something, but it's just different. I mean, we, we don't go, hey, did Steve Kerr talk after last night's game? It was, hey, did uh, throw out a name? Did uh, Andy Reid, what did he say after they lost to the Bengals? Like, we care about those press conferences. 
But, you know, as far as, hey, come on in and be a head coach. Being a head coach is being a CEO. It's unlike you take a guy in the mailroom who's been there for 20 years and you go, hey, you want to run the company? Sure. You've been in the building. You've been around this. And maybe Josh McCown is the first that goes from, you know, being a player right to a head coach. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, Doug Peterson, uh, he was a high school coach and then became the Eagles offensive quality control coach, which is kind of like a, a hybrid <laughs> role. <laughs> I should get that job here. I'm not really sure what I do. Uh, then he became the quarterback. Do you want coach. to be? Do you want to be our quality control guy? That's such a vague term. But we have to have quality for you to control. Well, what, you guys work on the quality. I'll control it. Yeah, but then watch this. Yes, Todd. Is that like? Wait, this, is, one, <laughs> is one of his roles where he's in the cafeteria and he's smelling the milk before the, the guys drink it to see if it went see? sour? See, Paul, this is this that's is. the first thing I can think of. Quality control. Wait a second. Don't give him that yogurt. That's from like December twelfth. Did you say watch this? Yes, I did. <laughs> yes, yes, I did. Oh, got my offensive tackle drinking sour milk. He's gonna miss the whole game. Thank you, Todd. You're welcome. Thank you, Todd. You're a little, you're a little uh, modified here. You're a little bit more reserved than you were first hour. That's good. That's what I was asked to do. You used it all up in that first segment. I'm on. I'm running on empty. Here. Yeah, but you know, every day's the Super Bowl. We have an hour and forty minutes left before hamburger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I. That's how I back time the show. Hour and thirty nine minutes till a hamburger. Todd, now he keeps going out into the kitchen. So Tyler is, is cooking while he's also answering phone calls. So Todd never goes out to the kitchen. Never. I don't and even I, say hi to anybody on this show, really. And I keep saying, I said uh, twice now, I said, what are you doing in the kitchen? Oh, I just went out to get a paper towel. Well, I got cameras all over the building. I want to make sure there was some soap and that, you know, there was utensils for later. I just like to make sure there's, you know. Well, then I, I go out there and there's a plate of, there's two plates of bacon. There's candied bacon that Tyler made this morning. Really? I didn't even realize that. Oh, really? <laughs> there's, there's bacon over there? You guys got to tell me these things. So I, I watched the in-house camera, and there's Todd, as if he's looking around to see if somebody's seeing him pick up a piece of bacon. And then I walked in, he he dropped the bacon and grabbed a paper towel. <laughs> because you know, it gets greasy with your fingers, so you need the paper towel. No, but the first time I saw the bacon, I took a piece. The second time I took a piece. The third time I controlled myself. But when we go to break, I'm probably going to get the third go, piece of bacon. Go ahead. I'm okay right now. You know, why don't you bring the plate in here? There's candied and regular bacon. Oh, I know that. Oh. What a great little Friday appetite. <laughs> Uh, give me a poll update there, Todd. If you had a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl, who would you take? Listen to this. 43%, I'd sell the ticket. Oh. That's the leader. Not even giving it. You're not going to the game. You're not giving, sharing it with somebody. 27%, wife, girlfriend, husband, boyfriend, any one of those mm -hmm. you'd give the ticket to. 18%, brother, sister, other relative. 10%, best friend. 2%, favorite coworker or a business partner of some. Such uh, Super Week on the Dan Patrick Show brought to you by Panini America, the official trading cards of the Dan Patrick Show. We're going to stay with that poll question. I kind of like it for now. All right. At least through the second hour, then we will do something else. All right. Paulie texted me last night. He goes, I'm watching the Pro Bowl skills competition and I'm entertained. It, it was a good show. Levy was hosting. The guys were having fun. They had a lot of star power there. Came out of nowhere. I didn't even know it was on. They did this thing. It was like a, almost like a trick competition. It was best catch. They had a mini trampoline, like the guys use at the basketball games. And then they had this huge pad. And star guys like Stefan Diggs and, and Tyreek Hill and Justin Jefferson, they're doing flips and backflips. And then I think it was Stefan Diggs of the Bills. He jumped off a ladder and landed on a table like the Bills fans do, like the yeah. Bills Mafia, yeah. and caught a ball. Yeah. But I could, 
I can imagine the, like the GM of the Bills going, oh my God, my star wide receiver. <laughs> you know, put him on the injured list. Now, how did he get hurt? Um, well, he was on a tr- mini tramp and then he did a somersault and then he landed on a table, and uh, but he caught it. They also had the uh, uh, showdown between, I guess, the fastest players. And Tyreek Hill was there. Micah Parsons. Uh, Nick Chubb was in. Uh, I don't know who the other one is. Maybe one of the Diggs brothers was in there. But uh, Micah Parsons. Uh, now, he's shirtless. He's not the fastest guy in the NFL. It's still Tyreek Hill. And Micah Parsons even said, Tyreek Hill didn't even get down in a three-point stance. And then he slipped at the starting line. I think it was a, was it a 40-yard dash? It, it, yeah, it looked like a 40. Yeah. I mean, Tyreek Hill's still the fastest player. But Micah Parsons, to be that fast at that size, <laughs> that's pretty impressive. Yeah, Paul. If I looked like Micah Parsons, I wouldn't even own shirts. <laughs> I would just save the money and go shirtless because he looked awesome. And he's faster than everybody. Yeah, yeah. Pretty impressive. Ben in New Orleans joins us on the program. Good morning, Ben. What's on your mind? Uh, good morning, DP. Um, happy Meet Friday to you guys. I was uh, calling about Brian Flores. I've been really impressed uh, with him the last, uh, definitely last week, the last uh, year or so, and I think he'd be a great fit in New Orleans as our new head coach. Mm. Uh, and in that, in that spirit, I'd like to offer a poll question to uh, to Polly. If he, I'm sorry, to Fritzy, mm. if he's uh, if he's open to it today. All right, he's open to it. So, okay, great. So. The poll question would be, what, which are the larger in size? Would it be A, high school footballs, B, college footballs, C, NFL footballs, or D, Brian Flores footballs? I think I think you missed a bit. Is that like a testicular effort or something like that? Because he's had the courage to... Uh... Fight the NFL. And the oh, is that what it was, Ben? Yeah, that, that's what it was. I was trying to make it for you today right. on Meet Friday. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Of course, on Meet Friday, it's appropriate to have yeah, that. Because why would Blind Flores have footballs and walk around with them? And, Cajonians. Yeah. 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 A lot of guts. Yeah. A lot of courage. Yeah. Talking about balls, I guess. is what I don't think I'm going to go with that now, one. It was a big okay windup. With... It was a big windup there, but it was an off-speed off pitch there. Usually groin humor is right in our wheelhouse. I so, love it. Somehow we missed it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was it was too disguised for us. We like it a little bit more obvious there. Dumb it down a little. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of dumb and dumber, uh, Seton and the French kid at the top of the hour. I don't know where they are, but I know that they had a long day yesterday. Now I talked to Seton in the evening. He said, we're just going to drive through. They got caught in an ice storm. They were they had to backtrack. They went all the way to the border. They were, you know, a uh, Callaway driver away from Mexico. I didn't think to tell him to pack your passports (laughs) on this trip. You're supposed to be going from, you know, the Northeast to Los Angeles. Next thing I know, I I hear this. uh, Hey, you know that uh, Shawshank Redemption movie? And I'm like, yeah. You know, Andy Dufresne, when he goes down to Mexico after he escapes and uh, then Morgan Freeman's going to join him. Well, we're in the place where Andy Dufresne, Ford Hancock, that's where we are. And I went, 
How, what are you doing in Fort Hancock? They said, we just kept driving. We kept driving where the weather was better. And now they have to backtrack. And they were trying to go back to El Paso. I said, just go to Arizona. Just go to Phoenix. Whatever way, just keep driving. So I think they drove most of the night. And uh, Seton will join us top of the hour. Yeah, Paul. Imagine if they'd accidentally gone into Mexico and tried to ride back across the border with a $200,000 Mercedes SUV and bags of M-Drive in the back somewhere, if you know what I mean. Let's take a break here. Uh, Peter Schrager on loan from the NFL Network will stop by. Tony Dungy in an hour from now. More phone calls as well here on the Dan Patrick Show. The French kid did a, uh, a tour of the van just to let you know it's been broken broken in on this trip. Not broken into, but broken in. And uh, that Sprinter van is... Because uh, I said to Seton, I said, man, I feel bad. This is supposed to be a fun trip. He goes, oh, man, it's been awesome. He goes, this van, it's been awesome. We got no complaints. We're having fun. The Sprinter van is uh, an expertly engineered blank canvas. At least it was. And then we got the wheels murdered and uh, the inside. I mean, there's uh, all the bells and whistles. That's the van we're giving away in Los Angeles. So the Mercedes-Benz Sprinter van that we've been talking about, there's the innovative safety features, crosswind assist that they used yesterday, blind spot assist, active brake assist. They needed that yesterday with all the ice on the road. Then you have the MBUX voice command system, five-star dealer network, and available gas engine. Mercedes-Benz vans. Go to a dealership and take a test drive today. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hottest rookies, biggest superstars, all-time greats, the only place to collect them all. Panini Trading Cards, the official trading cards of the Dan Patrick Show. Princeton Classics, autograph cards, memorabilia cards, rare inserts, and more. Start or continue your collection now at Panini America. Dot net. One of the great sponsors we'll have for Super Bowl week. More phone calls coming up. Seton will join us from the road coming up top of the hour. Peter Schrager, NFL Network, Good Morning Football co-host. And uh, Good Morning Football live from L.A. for Super Bowl week starting on Monday at 7 a.m. Eastern. Peter, how would you recap the week for somebody who didn't, let's say somebody was out of the country, didn't know what happened? And you said, hey, what happened in the NFL? How would you recap it? So the biggest long shot in NFL history to make the Super Bowl, made the Super Bowl on a Sunday. Tom Brady retired on a Tuesday, and before he could even get his bouquets, uh, one of the NFL coaches sued the NFL and two NFL football teams over uh, systematic racism and hiring practices, and that was just the start of the week. And now we've had further that we've had some different coaching hires. We've had some other controversies. It is the NFL we're living in right now, and I don't think any of it should uh, should 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 be be mentioned without saying that hey, the Flores thing should be number one, number two, number three, and yet the way the NFL works, it's like all right, the Super Bowl's on uh, next week, and I don't know if it's still going to be top of mind because that's how fast the news cycle works. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Adam Schefter tweeted the Niners' offensive coordinator Mike McDaniel arrived in South Florida last night for his head coaching interview with the Dolphins. Cowboys offensive coordinator Kellen Moore scheduled for his head coaching interview with the Dolphins on Saturday. How attractive is that Dolphins job right now? 
Yeah, I could tell you that that I know from Mike's case, he definitely wants the job. It's a chance to be an NFL head coach, and uh, you know that's the point. It's a lot of these guys; uh, they still want these jobs because how do I know I'm ever going to get another opportunity to get in there? So, if you're a Mike McDaniel or a Kellen Moore, and yes, you are walking into a situation where the the last coach and the owner and the GM um, obviously had conflict, and there's an ongoing lawsuit and all this thing. But hey, here's Mike McDaniel. He's been in the league since 2005. He's a 40 year old guy he's he's been waiting his time too and he's like i i want to go for it this is my job opportunity and i would love to be the head coach of the miami dolphins so he didn't withdraw his name from that i can tell you that that interview is 12:45 today is when he's going to be interviewing with the dolphins they are going to also interview kellen moore so the decision won't be made today but those are the two names i'm hearing right now and no neither one of them are people of color it's mike mcdaniel boy wonder offensive coach and it's kellen moore who's even younger offensive coach and you know I know the optics aren't great for the NFL, but that is what has been the case going right up from Minnesota where it's Harbaugh or Kevin O'Connell to Jacksonville where it seemed like at the last second it was either Doug Peterson or Rich Bisaccia. So uh, we've got a couple teams left, Texans and Saints. We'll see if if their hires do satisfy um, what I think is a great, great need for you know African-American and people of color to be head coaches in the NFL. I was wondering, Doug Peterson got the Jacksonville job. Do we know if Byron Leftwich was offered the job? Do not know that. Yeah. Do not know that. Don't, don't know if it got to that point. I know that they were very interested in Nathaniel Hackett, and he chose the Denver job, and that kind of made them restart their whole thing. What's interesting with that one is it breaks last night. <clears throat> either Adam Schefter or Ian Rapport, one of the insiders, breaks it, and it happens – around 10 o'clock Eastern, and all right, everyone does their whole thing. Here's what Peterson is. Who didn't they hire? They fired Urban Meyer in week 14 of the NFL season. They interviewed Doug Peterson on December 28th. They were radio silent. They did not reach out to Doug Peterson. He didn't have a second interview until February 4th. I don't know what happened in those 40 days in between, but I don't remember a coaching uh, hire ever as drawn out and go with so many twists and turns than what the Jaguars did. The first candidate to interview in week 16 of the NFL season or week you know, right after the NFL season was Doug Peterson. Um, and then they interviewed about 20 guys in between and then eventually hired Doug Peterson. Bizarre. But if you look at the, the, the openings here in the offseason, the worst opening was where? I know everybody wants to be a head coach, but the worst opening is which team? Or was uh, which team? There was nine openings. A lot of those teams fire head coaches because of the situations that they're in. Um, see, the worst might also be with the greatest potential to build. And I think the team in the most questionable situation right now is the Houston Texans because they don't have that quarterback that they necessarily thought would be the quarterback. Now, is Davis Mills that guy? I don't know. He had a nice finish of the season. Um, but they are so raw and so barren as far as just talent on the roster and then with no real direction of what they're going to be. New GM and Nick Casario, new president and Jack Easterby, and there's a hope that they make the right hire and they can build something there. We want to talk about an uphill battle going into Houston right now without any real thing to hang your hat on. It's certainly something that is from the ground zero of building an NFL team. Talking to Peter Schrager, NFL Network, Good Morning Football co-host and FoxSports.com, senior national writer. The show will be in Los Angeles next week starting uh, at 7 a.m. Eastern. I talked to a former TV executive last night, and I said, if you were still involved in this, would you offer Tom Brady a job as an analyst? And he said, if I'm Amazon, I just... 
I put it out there that we'll give you $25 million a year and see if Tom would want to be an analyst. You know, let's say with uh, Al Michaels. What do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, that's. I don't know if money is what motivated this guy ever, though. That's the problem. Yeah. It's like I, you could dangle a lot of money in front of Tom Brady. It's never been what has been his his main motivation. And you can say that he's made enough himself. His wife's made enough in her career. Like, I, I think the Manning situation truly makes the future of all these broadcasters interesting. Like. You know, Drew Brees did the playoff game and got you know blasted everywhere because they thought that he wasn't interesting enough, and he had to you know check his phone and just say this guy's terrible. Jason Witten, same thing. Meanwhile, the Mannings are sitting on their couch and they're interviewing their friends and doing it on their terms. And I think Tom Brady's one of the few athletes that could say, "Eh, I actually want to do it X Y Z way, and I don't want to do it going on the road and being in Cincinnati to call a Raiders Bengals game where I can be criticized by Joe Schmo on the on the couch for how good I am at calling the." Um, well, I, think I suggested that you get Gronk and Brady and you could have your own, you know, Brady cast here. That's not bad. I, I think that's interesting. And it's on Brady's terms as long as Brady can dictate where and how it's done. Because I don't think I see Tom Brady wanting to call week 13, you know, uh, <laughs> Broncos Chargers in Denver because he's got, you know, Romo missed the day after Thanksgiving this year. I think he missed that Sunday and people went nuts. Like, he's making how much money? How could he miss a game? <laughs> <laughs> guys, these guys, they, they do have a lot of power in these buildings. And I think Brady would have the ultimate power if he were to choose to work with one of these networks. I got. Tony Dungy next hour, and I want to ask him, how do we fix the Rooney rule or update the Rooney? Like, what, if it's not a tweak, or is it an overhaul, and what suggestions would he have? Because the Rooney rule came out when Tony got fired, and I think, um, trying to think who else. There, there were two black coaches who got fired at the same time. And I think that's when we had the Rooney rule that that came about. What do you think Tony would suggest on how to modify this? And we had Chris Carter on Good Morning Football today. Very, very vocal in in the situation that the NFL head coaching um, world is in right now. And I said, well, they've tried to do like financial incentives with draft picks and all that. And I think the problem is way, way, way more in the weeds than just, hey, can we meet with these guys? I think it starts with with preparing young African-American assistants to be NFL head coaches. So it's not enough to just have a, a African-American defensive quarter. It's saying, okay, let's, let's get you every possible thing that you need so that you could walk in that room and you don't feel like you're up against it. And you don't feel like you're walking into a sham interview that you can wow them. And you could also just say, Hey, look at the tape and check my references. I shouldn't have to razzle and dazzle and, and do something any differently mm. than any of the counterparts who I'm interviewing with. I look at, there are so many gorgeous, Great young assistant coaches in the league right now, and so few of them got opportunities to interview for those head coaching jobs. And I think that's the issue. It's not just getting someone in the room. It's it's saying, hey, let's recognize these young assistants and let's groom them so that they're getting the hype and buzz that Kellen Moore's getting at age 30, that they're getting the hype and buzz that Sean McVay got at age 30. You know, you can name the young assistant coach that you. Like I look at Sean McVay's assistant head coach, and he's a running backs coach right now in in in, in Los Angeles. I've gotten to know Thomas Brown really well. This guy is a former Georgia Bulldogs running back, beloved by the players, 
is, is a huge asset to Sean McVay, and yet he was mentioned for the Miami Dolphins head coaching job briefly. How come he didn't get to interview for nine jobs? Where you know, Jonathan Gannon, who is going to be considered for all these jobs, is defensive coordinator of an Eagles team that lost in the wild card round. I just think it's not enough to just say, hey, we're going to give you, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z an opportunity to interview. I think it really starts at a young age, 28, 29, 30, identifying people who aren't just assistant coaches but want to be head coaches and saying, let's not only prepare them for that, but let's prepare the rest of the league and give them opportunities to have the same networking that some of the white young assistant coaches have had. Yeah, that's well put. If you had one question for the commissioner next week, what would the question be? One question for the commissioner, my question would probably revolve around what was brought to light here. And it's the same question you just asked me, same question you brought to Tony Dungy. Clearly the Rooney rule is not merely enough. What else can we do? And how else can we actually do that with action and not just words? And I would love to think that there are answers there and that there is not only the commissioner, but every single person who is employed by the NFL and working with the NFL who is noticing what's going on in this hiring cycle and says, hey, here's my input, here are my two cents, and that's a collaborative effort in the decisions that are made moving forward. Dennis Green was the other coach who was fired, I think, the same time, 2002, when Tony mm-hmm. was fired, and then they brought about the Rooney Rule. How would you uh, sum up Joe Burrow's month? <laughs> coolest kid in the world. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? This is I, I love the fact that his high school stadium's already named after him. Like, it's like, it's like everyone who knows the guy knows the guy. All the LSU people love him. I went to the game last week, Chiefs, uh, Chiefs Bengals, and obviously it was all Chiefs fans, but there were pockets of Bengals fans and the amount of LSU Burrow fans we saw, and I would go to them, are you an LSU fan? Are you a Bengals fan? I'm a Joe Burrow fan. I'm like, all right, that's pretty cool. This guy's the man. And I, I don't know. I don't know if they've got it, what it takes to go in as a team with one player with Super Bowl experience and beat the Rams in their building. Yeah. But I don't know if there's another quarterback in the league I'd want to have the ball going into that situation than Joe Burrow right now. Yeah, and I, I, I asked Peter King last hour, I said, you got an MVP vote. If we were taking the vote after the Super Bowl and the Bengals won, he said Joe Burrow would be the MVP. Maybe it's him, even if they lose. The fact that you get the Bengal, he gave hope to every franchise, or he put every franchise on notice. Like, hey, this guy got his team to the Super Bowl. He got sacked nine times in a win against the Raiders. Like, uh, pretty amazing, uh, you know, this meteoric rise from, you know, national championship, Heisman Trophy, second year going to the Super Bowl. Heady stuff, man. It really is. And the stuff that he did last week that isn't going to be glorified until maybe we do all the film work in the offseason, like all those third downs where Chris Jones had him and he just slides away and he scrambles away. It's like so symbolic of this team because they were down 24 points to the Chargers. They came all the way back. They lost. They were down two touchdowns to the 49ers. They came all the way back. They lost. They were back in that game with the Packers that they lost. Even their losses, it was like he was a cockroach. Like you could not put Joe Burrow down. He found a way to claw back and everything. And now it's just clicking. I couldn't give any more. And I, I said on Good Morning Football today, there, everyone and their mother has a podcast now. Everyone <laughs> and their mother thinks, you know, I work for a gambling site. I do this. I, I'm, I'm, I'm working on this analytics page. Like, literally, there are 8 billion people doing sports media and 9 million talking heads who just dilution. No one took the Bengals before this season. Not a soul. I think that's pretty cool. You're an Ohio guy. you got to appreciate that. Oh, I do. Uh, but I, I, I'm not rooting as much as those fans 
deserve this. Those, you know, my, I, I'm actually rooting for my friends and family because whenever you would say you were from Cincinnati, inevitably you would get the following. Oh, the Bungles. Always, yeah. always. So to get there, to be proud, you got your quarterback, you got your wide receiver, you got a good running back. I go back to September where we thought their head coach may get fired. Like, you know, that's how crazy this season's been. Um, I'll leave you with this, or if you can leave me with this, the cool spots for us to go in Los Angeles. I mean, you know what's going on. Yeah, Yeah. I'll give you the list. Here you go. Okay. Number one is is Craig's. It's the old Mater D from Dantana's. He's got a spot now. This is where I saw on TMZ that Kanye and – Someone else was there, so that must be cool. I'm told Delilah is the hot club. Guys like us will will Mm. not be allowed in necessarily, (laughs) but that is where people go. And the last one is a little place that my guy Walker Hayes sings so beautifully about. It's a little restaurant called Applebee's, and that is where I will probably be most (laughs) nights, getting my chicken fingers or mozzarella sticks. Uh, Does Walker Hayes know that he ruined CBS's halftime show? I thought... I thought just the opposite. I thought that those guys were talking over Walker Hayes, and I found that obnoxious. <laughs> yeah, what do I need to hear? I need to hear Nate Burleson saying that you know, they need to establish the run. Give me the Walker Hayes. What is Boomer Esiason saying in that segment that I need to hear that yeah, I haven't heard a million exactly. times? Give me the, give me the Applebee's song. <laughs> oh, that's great. Peter, thank you, and uh, hopefully we'll cross paths with you in L.A. I would love to see you guys. You got the best show still, Dan. I appreciate you having me on. That's Peter Schrager, NFL Network, Good Morning co-host. We always appreciate him. (laughs) That's a good spin on it. No, the CBS halftime show is interrupting the music there. Yeah, Paul. He is wrong about uh, us not getting in the hot spots. We go out to dinner at 4.45 p.m. local time. Everything's open to us. I told one of our sponsors... Mercedes-Benz, and I go, uh, they go, uh, hey, dinner? You guys up for dinner? And I go, yeah. That, I said, drinks, dinner, sure. And uh, they said, uh, you know, we got a reservation. How many of your guys want to join? I said, oh, we can bring them all. And then they go, um, 7.30, 8 o'clock. I go, we'll be in bed. And they laughed. And I go, <laughs> no, no, I'll be in bed. I have to be up and out the door at 4.30 in the morning. How's, how's 5.15 sound? They go, for drinks? I go, no, dinner. <laughs> drinks drinks at 4.30, dinner at 5.15. Yes, Todd? Are there any cool clubs open between 4 p.m. and 7 p.m.? in Because that would be basically our wheelhouse. I don't know what's really cranking in the late afternoon or early yeah. evening. Do they have loser hour? Because, you know, it, they, there's happy hour, just like loser hour, where you go in and go, oh, man, music, you guys are losers. Yeah, Paul. And we are lucky enough to go to like a nice restaurant, but it's 5.15 and you've got the menu and you're already ordered. It's like 5.17 and our full order is in. When, when, when people are showing up to work at the restaurant and we're, we're there, we're, we're waiting for you to show up. Yeah, I've been, and I've been to Craig's before. You know, I've gone to Craig's before. We went to that one big night we went out. Yeah, my birthday. When John Fogarty showed up. John Fogarty and his wife, uh, Sandler came over, Josh Dumel stopped by. Um, a star-laden birthday bash at uh, at Craig's. Jennifer Aniston was not at the, my table, but she was there. Uh, Tim Tebow was there one night. Jane Fonda, the legendary actress, was there. Brought her dog in with her. Oh, the uh, Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner. You know, Caitlyn Jenner. Caitlyn Jenner showed up. Yes, and so I'm the night of my birthday. So I'm sitting there, and I just hear all of this noise. And I turn around, and there's Caitlyn Jenner. And I knew Caitlyn when, you know, she was Bruce. 
And I walked up to Caitlin and I said, uh, how you doing? And uh, she goes, oh, it's going to be crazy when I walk out that door. And I thought, oh, I didn't even like there's there's all kinds of paparazzi. And this is a couple of years ago, five years ago, four years ago. And all of a sudden and, and she says, hey, you know, they're naming the football stadium after me. And I'd love to come on the show because Caitlin is from Connecticut. And I go, awesome. We'd love to have you on. Last time I heard from Caitlin, she walks out the door. And it was a hundred flashbulbs went off. It was crazy. Crazy. It was like. And, and it just lit up. It, it was almost like it was a, uh, a light show that outside when she walked out the door. And I went, man, I would not want to be in that fishbowl. When we come back. Prop bets on Super Bowl 56, and Seton joins us at the top of the hour. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, this is Jason McIntyre. Join me every weekday morning on my podcast, Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. This isn't your typical sports pod pushing the same tired narratives down your throat every day. Straight Fire gives you honest opinions on all the biggest sports headlines, accurate stats to help you win big at the sports book, and all the best guests. Do yourself a favor and listen to Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Super Week, Dan Patrick Show, brought to you by Panini America, the official trading cards of the Dan Patrick Show. Uh, Got some phone calls coming up. Prop bets, early Super Bowl prop bets. You want a couple? Yeah. All right, here's one. These are kind of niche. Jersey number of the first player who scores a touchdown, over or under... Jersey number 23 and a half. So under will get you Jamar Chase. It'll get you Joe Burrow. It'll get you, uh, it'll get you Odell. It would get you Stafford. Mm. Joe Mixon is over. He's number 28. That's sneaky. Cam Akers. Cam Akers is 23. Ooh. Yeah, Cam Akers is 23. Okay. Sony Michelle, 25. All right. What is uh, Cooper Cup? Cooper Cup he's is 10. 10. Ooh, that's sneaky. You think he's going to be in the 80s. Yeah, he's 10. All right. Um, most rushing yards, it's basically a heads up. Cam Akers or Joe Mixon? Okay. Where would you bet on that one? Um, I would say Cam Akers because Joe Mixon will be more valuable as a uh, wide receiver. You're breaking it down. Okay. Most receptions by Cooper Cup over under eight and a half catches for Cooper Cup. Where would you go? I'm going to go nine. Nine even. That's a fritzy move. You yeah. say just over. Yeah. yeah. Uh, shortest touchdown scored. The over-under is one and a half yards. Ooh. Tom Brady not in the game. Quarterback sneaks. Uh, the shortest one is, I'm going to go over. Over one and a half yards. I mean, I was thinking Matthew Stafford, quarterback sneak. It seems like I got the Rams doing a lot of damage here. Successful two-point conversion, plus 250 for yes. Minus 360 for no, so you can make more money betting no. Hmm. Successful two-point conversion. Not try. I'm going to say yes. 
special teams or defensive <laughs> touchdown. I'm going to forget all of these. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we always act like we're going to recap. We yeah. don't have to. Uh, special teams, defensive touchdown, or block punt, you can get like 800 bucks if you bet on block punt. Hmm. Is there going to be a blocked punt? 100 gets you 800. Hmm. Pretty rare. Yeah. Didn't Reggie Harrison from the Steelers block a punt in the Super Bowl? How many block punts have there been in Super Bowl history? Reggie Harrison was a backup running back for the Steelers. And I believe he blocked a punt. Was there a Dolphin player who blocked a punt in a Super Bowl years ago? Why, why does that stand out to me? Yeah, Marv. I think Steve Tasker blocked a punt also in a Super Bowl. Really? Uh, he was Mr. Special Teams. Yes, Todd? If you block the punt, if you bet on blocking the punt, and then there's roughing the kicker or something, <laughs> now, what, what, how does that work? Well, they take away the block punt. But there was an actual block in that moment. The punt was no, blocked. That, it just no. gets wiped off. No, it'd be like if you scored a touchdown and then there was a penalty on the play, then they brought the touchdown back. You scored a touchdown, but there was a penalty. It was holding on the play. How frustrating would that be, though, that you bet on a blocked punt and then it gets called back because I, it gets to his I knee think, gently? I think if you're you're betting on a blocked punt, then you've you got, you got issues. <laughs> Absolutely. Baby, I got 900 on yeah. the what, what are we betting on? A blocked punt. You watch a game waiting for a blocked punt. I'm having trouble finding blocked punts in the uh, Super Bowl. Really? The Google can't help you with no, that? No. It's probably, it's probably more me than Google. Todd, just Google. How many punts have been blocked in Super Bowl history? I, I Oh, you better you're gonna this is gonna take a while, Todd. Oh, I know. Reggie Harrison for the Steelers, for some reason, comes to mind. Any other prop bets? That's it for now. All right. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just five hundred dollars. And or bet just five dollars, get two hundred and eighty in free bets if your team wins. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code Patrick to get fifty-six to one odds on either team. Five dollars to get two hundred and eighty in free bets if your team wins. The promo code Patrick at DraftKings Sportsbook. Yeah, Paul. Dan, you are good. Super Bowl ten. Pittsburgh's Reggie Harrison blocks the punt of Cowboy rookie Mitch Hoops. Ooh, the change of momentum in Super Bowl ten. Is that the only block punt in Super Bowl history? Stay tuned. <laughs> we don't know. Todd, did you find anything? No, but I found most punts in a game. Oh, come on. Brad Maynard with Giants in Super Bowl 35. How about that? 11 punts. And then you had the Patriots against the Eagles four years ago. No punts by the Eagles. Or the uh, Patriots. Yeah, Paul. Super Bowl XVIII. <laughs> Raiders, Washington Redskins. Derek Jensen blocked a punt. Okay. Raiders. He was a Raider running back slash tight end special team. Okay. XVIII. Yes, Tony. This has nothing to do with punts, but since it's on this article oh, I'm looking no. at, fewest no. points and a half by both teams is Z- what? Zero. Two points. Super Bowl nine. The Steelers two. The Vikings, Vikings nothing. Boy, that weather was bad. Final hour coming up. Burgers. I can smell it. Smell the bacon. Man, it's going to be great. And Seton O'Connor joins us top of the hour. Tony Dungy a little bit later on as well.